Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Angie, Estimate Rocket, and Paint Supply. Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast. I'm your host, Michael Cheney, the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. And I've got a special show for us because I've got one of the speakers at the event that we're all looking forward to. That is the first ever Women in Paint event in Nashville in November, November 2nd and 3rd. And I've got Suhaiba Neal on with me. And she is the founder of the Full Circle Business. She's a coach. And I already warned her that she's uh, giving me a lesson here today when we get started. So, Suhaiba, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to get to Nashville and be in person with all the ladies again. You got it. Now, you were just telling me that you have, uh, one, been in the industry for a while. And the other thing that we were just chatting about was that you have been in the women in paint sector for a while now. When it started way back when, it kind of dissolved, I'll say. And then it's, it's kind of picked up its momentum. Uh, what have you seen over the years in terms of women being in the painting industry and how women have evolved? What has that looked like from your perspective? Yeah, so I tease that I, uh, <clears throat> when I started, I was the youngest in the room and one of the only women in the room. And it was probably, geez, I've been in the industry 19 years now. So part of a family painting business. So my father started the company here in the suburbs of Philadelphia 49 years ago. And I joined in 2005 and have been around ever since. Um, <clears throat> and I grew up with all brothers, so I'm used to all boys. Doesn't really bother me. Doesn't phase me. Um, I can hold my own. I tease. I'm like, there's probably not a. We were actually at dinner last night, and my brother was teasing with my nephew. They were joking across the table about a joke they told each other, and my mom said, "Is it appropriate for the dinner table?" And we're like, "No, <laughs> definitely not." So, um, but when I started, yeah, it was um, one of the only women at almost every conference I went to for a really long time. Um, and over the years, it's been really great to see that change and to be, you know, in a space where there are more and more women in the room and now more and more owners in the room, which is really cool as well. Because a lot of the times in the beginning days, the women were sometimes wives, like my mom would go sometimes with my dad to conferences um, or, you know, office managers, like kind of that second in command person. But it's really cool to see now so many more women painting owners in the industry as well. Um, I'm not sure why it took so long, but it is right. what it is. And now here we are. And it's really exciting. Like I said, I was a part of the original Women in Paint back. Um, there were some OGs older than me who'd been around for a long time who kind of launched it. And then I think when they kind of retired from their businesses, it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. So I'm excited to see it come back to life. And it was really cool in, where were we, Albuquerque, to have that special event just for us 
with, you know, no boys allowed um, and just kind of mix and mingle and, and hang out with each other. That's right. Um, you know, what I have been able to absorb and really in some ways take advantage of is the connections just meeting other women because of the, the women in paint sector. Uh, in my area, there aren't many women that I've been able to connect with over the years. There, there's a few here and there, but the women in paint specifically through the PCA has helped me make those connections. And, and it's, it's motivating. And, and I think even, you know, it's nice to see what is possible. So when you see another female, you know, doing it, then it, for me, that's something that really helps, you know, me get rid of some of the self self doubt and and helps me believe. Um, so growing up in a family with all boys, in some capacity, that had to have prepared you for this industry we're in. That is still a male dominated industry. It so is. Yeah. T t tell me how that's prepared you, and, and then tell me how you've kind of carved out your own space. Um, you know, you're a consultant, and you help folks like me. Uh, try to figure out how to run a business. So kind of tell me how you've navigated this male-dominated industry and you've been able to kind of carve out your sector in it. It's interesting. Like I said, it never really occurred to me. So for me, it was like always about keeping up with the brothers. <clears throat> we were a really big sports family. So, you know, everything was done the right way. I wasn't allowed to shoot my free throws like a girl. I wasn't allowed to jump when I played basketball at the free throw line, because only girls jumped at the free throw line. So <laughs> um, that's it. It's funny, too, because I was teasing my brother about it. He's like, I never said that to you. I'm like, you actually did say that quite a bit. Don't do it like a girl. Um, but it, and like I said, it's interesting. So from Philadelphia, which means I'm a diehard sports fan, basketball is my favorite sport. Played it through middle school and high school, got to college and had kind of decided my knees couldn't take it anymore. So I managed the men's team, um, again, male dominated. And I think there was one other female manager and an assistant coach actually was a woman. So it wasn't completely guys, but it was mostly guys. Um, and then moved on to the Sixers actually. So came home and got my dream job and worked for the Sixers for five years. Um, so again, you know, you're still talking about male dominated and then join the family business. Um, and like I said, most of the time, it doesn't even occur to me until, you know, like actually my current networking group that I'm in. Unfortunately, I'm now back down to being the only woman. <laughs> and my coach is like, I'm really sorry, I'm working on it. So but like, it'll be halfway through the meeting and I'll look around and be like, oh, yeah, there's no other women in the room today. Um, so it never really phased me, I think, with brothers it's just about keep it up so you can't be worried about who your opponent is in terms of gender it's just about winning you know so sure. um and also i think thankfully having a really strong mom <clears throat> made me strong and competent in myself and who i was and i knew i could hold my own so i kind of you know even though i'm a tiny i kind of claim my space and you know don't let anything or anyone kind of Phase me. It's funny. One of my good friends, who's a painter as well, six three, two hundred and some pound guy, he told me that I was intimidating one time. I'm like, really? <laughs> so I would definitely um, take that as a compliment. Which um, I did, and, but yeah, and thank God for strong moms, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the probably number one key to my success is having my mom in my corner through absolutely everything. You know? Yeah, I'm with with you on that. 
Um, so you're a business consultant and you primarily work with painting contractors. But why don't you kind of build that out for me and tell me exactly what you do? Yeah, so it's interesting. So I joined the family business and I tease that my dad and I are kind of opposites, which is why we work really well together because the things that I handle, he doesn't really want to do. Um, if you're familiar with DISC and if you haven't done DISC assessment or some kind of kind of um, assessment on how you're hardwired, I would encourage you to, to find one and take one. Um, he's really high eye. So he's a people person. Talk, talk, talk. He's a great sales guy. And one of the reasons our business has been so successful. I, on the other hand, am very high on SNC, which is like systems and processes and structure. Um, and I tease that I didn't learn and kind of realize that that was my gift until my early 40s. Um, so the world is like a puzzle to me. And I always joke with people. I'm like, if you present a problem, please tell me if you don't want a suggestion or solution, because my brain automatically goes into like, how can I help? You know, and that's my favorite thing to be is helpful. So I kind of our business grew organically was probably half the size it is now when I joined and then like three years it doubled and so it got to be as we like to say controlled chaos <laughs> for a little right. while there and so it was like okay let me put some I started by putting systems and processes into place for me for the things I did you know not necessarily every day I always tease my story is the tax story the first year that I was in the business and in charge of the finances and we had to do the taxes. I'm like, I have no idea what the accountant needs. So I made myself a checklist. And I'm like, next year, I'll just print the checklist off. I go through it. Here are the 10 things. On you go. And, you know, if something changes, you tweak it, you save it. And next year, you open it again. You do a save as. So I'm, I'm a big fan of checklists, which I think get a bad rap, unfortunately, still. Um, but so I created systems for myself first for everything that I was responsible for. Because a lot of it didn't happen every day. And I'm like, I'm not going to remember how to do this next month. Or I'm not going to remember how to do this next quarter. Um, and then from there, I branched out and started doing it for the rest of the business. Um, and we have something called the John Neal Painting Experience, which is where we want you to have a great experience as a customer from start mm -hmm. to finish. And then I took that and kind of ran with it and built it out and created what's now my business, the full circle business. So it's all based on a circle. And it's about delivering an exceptional customer experience from start to finish. Um, and I think I love, a lot of times- I love where you're going with this. Yeah, people get this. caught up on the person that answers your phone is really friendly and helpful, then you're off to the mm -hmm. races. But if the next person drops the ball, you know, you've kind of, mm -hmm. not truly like a bait and switch, but you've set yourself up for this, you know, great experience. And then all of a sudden, oh, now it's not living up to it. So, yeah, um, let me, let me tell you what you're, you're digging into some really good topics here. So I don't want you to get too far away from me. So okay. let yeah, me so. talk about sys systems and processes real quick. Cause this is a big thing. And as you know, the industry as a whole, isn't super structured now, thanks to the PCA and folks like you, it's getting more structured, but tell me why, at least my perception is, and even really one of the struggles over my years of being a business owner is when you first get started, you have really no systems and processes. Why is that? Why are systems and processes? It seems to be difficult for people, even, even just implementing um, a system where you're tracking your job costing, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. learning right away. Did you do well on that job or did you bid it wrong or what happened? But why, why are systems and processes difficult for people to implement, it seems like in, in, in our line of work. 
So two things real quick. The reason my consulting business exists is because one of my mother and two of some PCA or PDCA, I've been around long enough that they were Uh PDCA peers, encouraged me once I kind of started talking about what I'd done. They're like, yeah, you need to share that with the rest of the world. So um, PCA has been an amazing network for me. And back to the women in paint, I think we talked about this briefly, maybe, I don't know, it was before we went on camera or not about using each other in the network. So I network outside of the events all the time. You know, if I have a question or, you know, find something that I think would be helpful to somebody else that I share all the time. So the PCA has been a great resource, I think. And hopefully this will make you feel better. Most people in the trades did not go into the trades to start a business. They went into the trades because they were really good at something and they love to do it. So like my dad started on the brush, we tease. I'm like, you don't want him to paint your house now. I love him, but <laughs> he's been off the brush for a very long time. So every once in a while, somebody calls and like, is John going to paint? I'm like, no, you don't want John to paint your house. Um, so, and hopefully, like I said, I tease it. It hopefully makes everyone feel a little bit better. When you started your business, it was common sense. You knew what you were doing. You had your tools, you had friends, you had family, the word spread. Um, And I always tell people that if you're good at what you do, your business will grow kind of naturally and organically. And then you get to the point where, which is what happened with us, you're like, oh, crap, I got a real company now here. You know, I've got some employees, I've got more customers, I've got more demand. And now doing it all yourself and having it all in your head doesn't quite work anymore. So it is natural. It's called a natural evolution of a business. Um, And my coach talked about this a lot. I actually have a blog about it too. So you go from common sense to what they call brute force, which is where you're like pushing the rock up the hill, kind of. Um, and they tease that brute force is really easy to get into. Sometimes you don't realize you're there right away. And then once you do realize it, it's a little bit more difficult to get out of. But getting out of it requires systems and processes. And then that's what we call best practices. So for me, when creating a system, it's got to be as simple as possible. It's got to be as easy as possible, which are not the same thing. It's got to be repeatable and it's got to be universal. So in our business now, we've got 15 crews out there every day painting. They can't be operating on 15 different systems. Like that consistency has to be there for delivering, like I said, that customer experience. Um, And like I said, the only, it's not fun and nobody wants to hear it, but the true secret to success in your business is consistency. And the only way to do that is with some systems and processes. So that's right. If I'm going to put you on the spot here with this question, but <laughs> if, if you could say here are the top three systems processes you have to have, or that are going to make your life easier. If you start thinking along these lines early on in your, uh, you know, business owner path, what, what would it be? Can you narrow it down to three? Um, let's see. So I think, honestly, one that everybody misses, and it kind of drives me a little bit crazy, and it doesn't feel like system-oriented, is the marketing piece. So my yeah. circle, there's eight stops. The first one is advertising and marketing, because you're not getting customers if you're not advertising and marketing and showing up where they see you. And I think a lot of people... Like I said, again, in the beginning, it's a lot of referrals and, you know, recommendations and a friend, you know, knows somebody that needs a painter and they give them your number. So it's kind of word of mouth. But at a certain point, if you want to grow and scale, 
you have to have a marketing plan in place. And again, it has to be consistent, you know? So I talk to people all the time and my leads are drying up or I can't market right now. I'm too busy. I'm like, yeah, what's going to happen in six weeks when you run out of work and it's going to take six more weeks for your marketing to kick in. So I think marketing is a big one. Um, and I tease that people don't want to spend money. I also, I get it. And I'm in charge of the marketing in our painting business. I'm also in charge of the finance. So I do a really good job of budgeting and keeping an eye on things. Um, but I think a lot of people miss the consistency of marketing okay. to keep right. their business moving steady. Um, I think the other thing you said three is again, checklist. So like a job checklist. So day one throughout the job, the last day before we finish up and then closing the job down, having a checklist that everybody can reference. So we're not missing anything. And I tease that we all stress as owners with delegating things because you're like, what if they don't do it right? What if they miss something? What if they goof it up? But a checklist eliminates that stress because you have all of that information in your head. You know how you want day one to start. You know how you want to close the job out. You know you how you want to leave the job site at the end of every day. Um, and you can articulate that to your team, but if it's on paper, it makes it so much easier for them to go back and look at it and be like, oh, you know what? I forgot to do this. Let me make sure I take care of this before I leave. So having a checklist of what that yeah. job flow looks like. And then I also, I tease that, I was thinking about this the other night too, when I walk my dog is when a lot of my ideas culminate. People want to know why, you know? So I was thinking about my mom taught preschool for 30 years and she had two and three-year-olds and she loved them to death. A three-year-old's number one favorite word is no. <laughs> and their second favorite word is why. If you think back to like when my daughter was little, right. you tell them something and they ask you why like 10 times and you have to explain it all the way like right. down to the bottom of the ocean. Um, I think we stop asking why, but we never stop wanting to know why. So I always tell business owners, especially when you're changing something, adding something new, it's your job to explain what needs to happen. And then you have to explain why, why it's important. Cause you know, as the owner, but some of your employees may not understand to that level that, oh, this is why this is important. And then I always encourage people to collaborate on the how. So you make your production checklist and then you run through it with your team am I missing anything you know okay. let's use it for a couple of weeks and tell me if I need to change something if I need to tweak it and I think that's where you get the buy-in and that's where you get people following a process as opposed to like oh Michael just gave me a checklist I'm not using this and out the window okay. it goes um that's right we, we always kind of say in my business that you know if, if you have your processes down and checklists I'm a big fan of checklists now we, we do all of ours electronically, but I, I know some people think checklists are outdated, but to me, they, they work great. Um, but we always say, you know, if we have our processes set up, then really we manage the process, right? Because we've got the right team. We've, got, we've hired well, we've got people of character that want to learn, that want to do the right thing. And um, so if something goes wrong, we just go back to the process. Where did we miss the process? Um, but I still, you know, I see a lot of, you know, folks that I get to talk to, for some reason, they're, they're stuck on the process. And maybe it's because they don't have the gift that you do. That is this right. gift that can organize all the data and put it, 
put it in, in you know, a, a way that makes it easier to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, when you talked about systems and processes, I almost couldn't sit still because that's like one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, yeah. Now, I, I also, you, you brought up something else, and I know that this is uh, from looking at your website and, and watching some of your, your videos that you're putting out there. The customer experience is really big to your dad's company yep. that obviously you're part of. I want you to talk about that, but I also want you to talk about it in the context that customer experience has not always been at the forefront of painting companies. And it is at the forefront of your company. It's at the forefront of my company. But why, why are we seeing the shift of folks like you, folks like me that are saying, no, customer experience is important. How is that happening? And, and tell us kind of some of, uh, of what you, you do and what you can help uh, business owners like me, what you coach them towards on how to nail that customer experience and what that's all about. Yeah, so for us, and I say this all the time, if you're a residential painting company, the repeat customer is the cheapest customer you'll ever get. So mm -hmm. once you're in the door, it's really hard. And actually, you know, through um, what we do with our marketing, we do a really good job of showing the work because I'm also a thing like if you're literally in the house and you're doing the painting, I'm, I'm not using stock photography. I'm going to show our actual work and kind of sometimes we show behind the scenes. It's funny, my social media gal who does the posting for me um, doesn't always understand that like, no, people really love the before and after pictures. They want to see what's happening behind the scenes. Um, so we do a good job on that front, but until you really get in the house and you actually do the job, they don't really understand um, <clears throat> what it truly entails. And for us, if you think about it, painting is like super personal. You know, you're in everybody's space. Like you're literally at some point in every room in someone's house. Mm -hmm. You're in the, the main bedroom and their, you know, their bathroom and, you know, their kids' rooms. Um, and sometimes for a long stretch of time, depending on the house. And if people are home, we have a couple of customers that we always paint while they're away. So they'll go on vacation in the winter and they're like, all right, come in and paint while we're here. And then we don't have the disruption, which is really cool. And it helps on both ends, you know, not having customers in the way and not having painters in the way. But <clears throat> everyone expects a beautiful finished project when it's over. So that's just like the low bar right there. What they okay. don't expect is how your crew is going to show up and how they're going to interact with you and your kids and your dog. <laughs> you had a customer. That's right. like, the dog, the dog misses you guys. <laughs> Cause he had this little, uh, that's and used to follow the guys around all day long while they were painting. So, um, <clears throat> I think it really is a service business. So you're, uh -huh. you know, in service to your customers and being able to not only get the work that you expected a little bit, better than you expected, but to have a really good experience and to actually, most of the times we, you know, the, the questions we used to get the most. And now, like I said, after 49 years, we have a pretty solid um, regular customer base. I mean, we're still obviously always getting taken on new customers. You got to, mm -hmm. to scale and grow and even to just stay where you are, but they don't think twice about calling us. And they know right. that the crew that's going to show up there's going to be nice. They're going to be clean. They're going to be neat. They're going to be considerate. I think we used to get, how much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? And who are you sending to my house? 
So you have a fabulous estimator or salesperson show up and do a, you know, knock it out of the park. But if your crew shows up and they're late and they're sloppy and they're, you know, kind of grumpy, you've just tanked your customer experience. And one of the reasons for the circle in our business and then transferring it into the consulting was it was really important for us for, and I say guys, excuse me, allergy season, guys and the men to understand that their piece of the circle where production lies is actually the biggest piece. They spend the most time with the customer and in close proximity. So if you call the office and I answer the phone, we're going to have a great conversation. It's going to last 10 minutes tops. Right. Right. You know, the estimator may be there for an hour, an hour and a half, you know, and then once we get there to do the work, it could be a week, it could be a month, you know, we're on a big job now. It's a remodel. So the customer's not in the house, but I mean, it's like six to nine month project, you know, so their piece of the pie is really the biggest one of all of them. And having them understand that, you know, you're more than just a painter. We don't actually call our guys painters. We call them craftsmen because Uh it kind of elevates the level of experience that they have and, you know, what they bring to the table. And we work for some really like big wig, high-end clients. The suburbs of Philly is a very interesting place. There's a lot of old money here. Um, But like everybody's pretty low-key about it, which I love, you know, so that makes it kind of cool. But some of the guys show up at these jobs and they're like nervous. I'm like, my brother's really good at it. He's like, yeah, he's an expert at what he does. And it made him a ton of money. He can't paint. <laughs> right. right. And they're like, no offense. We've had a couple customers. They don't know how to change light bulbs, you know, like they're just, that's not their expertise. So you are the expert in this area and, you know, you're going to be the one that delivers the experience. So, yeah, it's all about, I think. It's funny because I was thinking about this the other day, too, and seeing some good and some not so good examples, like how you treat people matters at the end right. of the day. That's right. You know, that's that's all it comes down to is, you know, what are they going to remember about you and your company? Are they going to remember, right. you know, oh, my goodness, they showed up. They were polite. My actually my dad years ago, we used to when he could show up on day one and get the job started and had a lady pull him aside and said, like, they don't look like painters, you know, because they're. A lot of our guys, they're married, they've got kids, now they've got grandkids, they're family men, and they show up and they take pride in their work, and it shows. So um, that's right. I think the more people think of it as, like I said, a service and, you know, providing a really great, well-rounded experience, the easier it is to grow and scale your business. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And I think for me, I've always seen... Uh, I've, I've viewed this industry as having so much opportunity because not everyone is focused on customer experience, right? Like you said, I mean, showing up and doing a good job when you have years of pain experience, that's, that doesn't make a good job anymore. That, that doesn't nail it for the customer. So yeah, customer experience is huge. And uh, so th- thanks for kind of sharing what, what you all are doing. And um, in terms of customer experience, I mean, part of that is, being able to train your team and getting their buy-in on why they should show up and, and be in a good mood and be friendly and right. Treat people. Well, what does training look like for you and how do you help businesses, you know, get the buy-in of their team? So it's funny too. And the core values is where it all starts. And I feel like I've seen in the business world, a lot of times people kind of brush them off. And for me, I take it back to actually had one of my very first client who, um, 
had faith in me. And he, we actually started in January. I, I was supposed to launch my business in March of 2020. And a little something happened in March 2020. And I <laughs> delayed until July for my official like full launch. But we started in January because he's like, yeah, I can't wait. I need this now. Um, we got to the core values because we I do have a program where we do foundations and kind of building that mm-hmm. solid foundation for your business. And he was like struggling with the core values. And I'm like, okay, you got kids? He's like, yep. I'm like, non-negotiables. Think about what your non-negotiables are at home with your kids in terms of those things, like things that you break that rule. I'm sorry, I can't help you. You know, you're right. Grounded. So in your business, it's the same thing as like, people glaze over them a little bit. I think they, we got talked up so much in the last couple of years and now they're like, eh, core values, it's not a big deal. But I think that's really where it all starts. And uh-huh. again, being really clear about, and I think it's interesting because I have people ask like, do you include your team on that? And I kind of go back and forth. I think if you're the owner and the founder and the one with the vision, they have to be yours and you have to right. own them and you have to like live them. And then people will be attracted to you because of that. I think there are times when collaboration is really important. I don't think nine times out of 10 core values is one of them. Um, You know, if you have a partner, obviously, then you guys need to work on it together. Um, But just getting really clear on why am I in this business? What are my goals? What do I really want to do? Like you said, your goal is to have an impact, not just to paint houses, you know? So that bleeds through probably to everything you do when it comes that's to right. working with your team and they they know that that's who you are and that's what this is all about and then they choose to buy into that and be a part of you know that process um and then we just kind of reinforce as much as possible so forming meetings monthly um i think depending on the size of your business and how far you go so we travel a little bit sometimes so it gets a little bit tricky and every once in a while we'll have a, a foreman miss a meeting because he's far away for you know a project but we did first friday for you know a really long time and it just again it's consistency you know we right. went just to the other side of things with safety which is also really really important in our industry and you know makes me really really nervous we had incorporated our safety meeting into our foreman meeting. We talked about it every month and our incident level, you know, went way, way down. And we had a really long stretch where knock on wood, like nobody had any incidents at all because the consistency and the awareness. So I think, and it's interesting for me, when I knew I was going to have to step into a leadership role in the painting business, because I came in and I'm thinking, I'm like going to start at the bottom and work my way up. And that did not happen. My dad's office manager decided to retire and I got thrown into the deep end. Um, But when I really realized like, okay, at some point I'm going to have to be a true leader in this business. I wanted to figure out what that looked like for me, what was really important to me first, and then use that moving forward with everyone else. So for me, I tease, I have kind of two words. One is authentic. Like I'm going to be me no matter what with everyone all the time as much as possible. I tease it every once in a while. We all have a bad day, but like you're going to get the real me, you know, 99% of the time. And that's important to me. And number two is humility. And, you know, I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. You know, I definitely don't know more than the guy that's been in the field for 30 years for us when it comes to the technical side of painting. Um, so being humble enough to lead, but with a kind of open policy on let's have a conversation about this, you know, and like you said, you create that checklist. Did I miss anything? What would you do differently? You know? Um, so I think 
that's kind of, for me, where it all starts is getting really clear about who you are as a leader and what things look like for you. And then, like you said, making sure your team is on board with that. That's right. And, you know, I would say as my business has grown, one of the areas that I can now see has stretched me the most has been in the leadership category. And I would also say it's been the most difficult. Uh, You have a book that launches next month and it's based on leadership. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? As a matter of fact, I got to say, I love the title, Like a Girl, because we know that often that phrase is is really used as a put down, right? Right. Don't throw like a girl, don't run like a girl. I know you heard some of those uh, comments from your brothers. Uh, Tell us about your, your book and why leadership is the topic that you decide to write on. It's funny. So, and as you can see behind me, I'm an avid reader and I've been studying the craft of writing for probably about a decade and um, it was focused on children's writing. So this was not the first book I thought I would write. I started a lot of things. I have actually a business book that kind of is fully outlined on the systems and processes and how to build a system-based business, um, which will come at some point. But this one I think it was probably just a culmination of where I am in my life and what I'm doing now, not thinking originally that I was kind of like that natural born leader um, and then having enough um, incidents and hearing enough speakers to finally realize like, oh, you know what, not all leaders look the same, you know, and you don't have to be back to like this, like those high D, go get them, you know, take charge kind of people. That's not the only kind of leader out there. And those aren't the only good leaders out there. Um, And part of it was a gift kind of for my daughter, um, who is a sophomore in college now and wanting her to, I tease her all the time. I'm like, some lessons you're going to have to learn on your own. And there are other lessons you really don't have to learn (laughs) the hard way if you don't want to. I've got a whole book for you to read. (laughs) Yes. So um, it's the one that came to me. And it's interesting because now that I'm on like the other side of it's almost ready. I'm waiting on my official proof as we speak. And then I can hit the print button and then off to the world it will go. Um, didn't think of it at the time, but it's with pre-readers and everybody that I've talked to, it's something that everybody says, like, we need this right now. So that's probably why this is the one that came first. And again, it's a focus on three male-dominated industries. I'm still, you know, in the male-dominated industry with work um, and what being a woman in the world really is, you know, looks like and is all about. And so it is 22 leadership lessons for women on the rise. 22 is the number I wore every time I put a jersey on. And like so that felt like a good, um, you know, a number to go with and a, a manageable number. One of my good friends who actually was in my writing class with me for years, she said, 22 is doable. I can do 22. She's like, if that said 99, I might think <laughs> twice. <laughs> but 22 I can handle. And it is just... It actually starts when I'm four in gymnastics and the first lesson is, you know, no fear. And so I was tiny and I was fearless and they put me up on, you know, an apparatus and I'm like, what do you want me to do? And I went for it. Um, And it just kind of takes you through my life as I've looked back over the years and all of the little lessons I've learned over time that helped me become who I am today and things that I think would be helpful for other women on the rise. And I tease it like, you know, could be a younger generation, could be an older generation. I think we're always evolving. I hope, you know, that's my goal is to continue to evolve. Um, so just sharing what I've learned over the years 
it's every chapter is one story and one lesson. So I kept it really short. It's I think 70 pages long. Um, and like I said, it's just in hopes of, like you said, actually at the beginning of this is that your goal with your business is to have an impact. So I've always felt like on some level, I was supposed to have more of an impact than just in the family painting business. Mm. I wasn't quite sure what that looked like. And now it's kind of coming to light. And I'm really excited that Women in Paint gets to be my first audience that I'll share it with when we get to that right. in November. So that's yes, right. That, well, that, unfortunately, we're running out of time. But until we see you in November, how can folks get in touch with you if they're <laughs> interested in and, you know, seeing what services you offer, how can we find out more about what you're doing? So I'm everywhere. <laughs> I have one friend that teases. She's like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I have a system. So you can <laughs> go to the fullcirclebusiness.net is my website. That'll take you right there. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, where else? I'm not on. I am on Twitter, but not for business. Um, okay. But yeah, pretty much all the platforms out there. Um, I'm, at, I'm on all of them and you can find me there and connect, send me an email and always happy to have a conversation with someone and see if there's a way I can be helpful. It's my favorite thing. Very good. And you, you still do your discovery calls. So can anyone sign up for, for a discovery Yeah, call? I have to update my calendar, which I will do. That's my impetus for okay. that. I hate, I can't stand Calendly, but you got to use it sometimes. Um, but yeah, so the first call, you know, we'll, you know, chat for 30 minutes and see where your struggle is and see if there's something I can do to be of assistance. I tease too that you're probably going to get some free advice on a discovery call because I can't help myself. Um, so it's, you know, not a big sales pitch. That's not what, not my strong suit. Um, I, like I said, I really just love to be helpful where I can and realize that this was a, a niche that was kind of in need. And so painting industry, construction industry, I'm starting to branch out a little bit to just small business owners in general. Um, okay. And if you need help with the system or a process, um, I tease too, like there's good news and bad news. You only have to do it once. <laughs> so once you put a system in place, and I'm sure you probably felt this, now yeah. you have your checklist. It's like, yeah. I don't have to start from scratch ever again. I just tweak it. That's so right. It's just getting that's over right. that first hump. And that's where I come in because I already have it ready to go and we just make it work for you. So the, that's where I think I see owners struggle the most is not knowing where to start. And that's where okay. I come in okay. and I'm like, all right, I can tell you exactly where to start. And I have a template already and we're just going to modify this so it makes sense in your world. And then you're off to the races. Man, that sounds awesome. Um, last but not least, I, I ask everybody this question, so I'm going to throw it at you. What do you do to take care of yourself so that you can keep showing up, so that you can help these business owners and, and be part of your family business? What do you do to take care of yourself? That's a chapter in the book, too, and it comes a little later. And one of my pre-readers was like, I want to know when you do for fun. <laughs> so yeah. I've actually learned that lesson the hard way over the years. And I do now literally schedule breaks in my calendar, even okay. if I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm going, even if I don't go anywhere. Um, if I have actually I'm going into October is my crazy month. So I always that first weekend in November, well, I'll be with you guys the first weekend in November. But that'll be a little bit of a break as well from the norm. Um, but to short answer is I have a lot of hobbies. Um, I tease that I can't really turn my brain off, which is sometimes, you know, a curse. Um, but I do have a lot of things and I've gotten very, again, intentional and consistent with taking the breaks that I need so that I don't burn out. Very good. I love it. Well, Hey, thanks for joining me. I can't wait to see you in November and hear what you have to say. 
and uh, I'll be looking for your book when it comes out next month. Again, that is Like a Girl. And that's all I've got for you now. If you are following us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Women in Paint. You can find us on Facebook there. And we've got our event in November in Nashville. So we hope to see everyone there. Until next time, let's keep the momentum going. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.